From KLIN Radio and the Lincoln Independent Business Association, this is the Lincoln Business Beat, a weekly summary of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with LIBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Bale. Glad to have you with us. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. You can learn more at GoCurrency.com. Well, Bud, uh, this week we uh, get to do a little shout-out to one of the public people that uh, has announced a retirement. Yeah, earlier uh, over the weekend, uh, over this last weekend, Dave Shively, our Lancaster County Election Commissioner, announced that he is going to retire in January. So uh, Dave's been in that position, geez, 20-plus years. 23 years, I believe it was, and he's overseen 46 regular elections, primaries and generals, plus a few special elections. Well, he's leaving us before next spring, so somebody's (laughs) going to get to dive right in uh, for those spring elections for our local elections next year. But I just really appreciate Dave over the years. He's been... He, he's been a great and faithful public servant, but the way he handles our elections and the way he handles the process has been awesome. And if as someone who's worked around politics and in elections, uh, whenever you call Dave or email him, he's Johnny on the spot, so to speak, getting getting back to you and helping you out because uh, he just wants to make sure that the elections run smooth as possible. And being in the media, uh, he has been one of the most accessible and uh, forthright, transparent uh, public officials that I've ever dealt with in, in this industry. Always uh, happy to do an interview, uh, give you the, the straight skinny, so to speak, and and uh, tell it exactly as it is. And that's uh, that's been refreshing. Yeah, I, I appreciate Dave and all he's done, and we hope that he uh, has a very enjoyable retirement. It's It's been a busy job and sometimes a thankless job, so hope, hopefully he can go enjoy himself in retirement. A couple of editions ago, we talked uh, at depth about the Lincoln Public School budget process. It's going to continue with the public hearing in the near future. Yeah, uh, so every year there's the opportunity for the public to come in and speak. On Monday, September 26th at 6 o'clock at the district office over there, about 60th and O Street, uh, they're going to have their their annual budget meeting. Um, the valuations came in at a little bit higher than they expected, so... There'll be a little bit more uh, more money coming in. They are decreasing the overall levy um, about a third of a penny, which is something. Got to give Leba a shout out here. The last couple of years, we've been uh, sitting down with them quite a bit, and one of the things that we've talked to him about over the years is valuations of property continue to grow, and with some of these bond issues, they were taking that extra. Um, with their levy and keeping that bond levy the same and paying off the levy sooner. And then, of course, we have another bond issue, ironically, that shows up on the ballot. So uh, what we've done is just get them to actually just take what they need to make their bond payment. Uh, So it helps a little bit. And, uh, you know, when we're sitting in these times, every little bit helps. So um, but that I got to tell the the folks, the listeners it's very important to be engaged with our local elected bodies, the city, the city, the county, the school board, the NRDs, all of these, and pay attention to that budgeting process because these are all people, or excuse me, political subdivisions that when we get our property tax bill, we're writing the check to them. And so we really need to, to pay attention and show up. I might have mentioned this recently for the county budget, which is hundreds of millions of dollars, 
I was the only person, and LIBA was the only organization that showed up uh, to testify. So we've got to get people paying attention to those kind of things, because when we show up, uh, hopefully they'll listen. Now, uh, I do remember the uh, LPS budget process and the transparency that the district, uh, Dr. Liz Standish, was out in front uh, with, with that. She was at LIBA luncheon, but she did public forums. And, and that's quite a process that's developed over the years, thanks in part to what LIBA was asking of them. And that has certainly made a difference in the process. Yeah, so um, it's just important um, for, for people to engage. You know, I've talked in, in on this show a lot, and I talk about this publicly, privately, anybody that's willing to listen. It's important to engage with our elected officials. So they'll have that uh, special hearing on Monday the 26th, and then they're going to vote on Tuesday the 27th. Uh, on their budget. So um, time to show up. And property taxes, the primary source of income for uh, education. And if you look at that property tax breakdown, you'll see that education is uh, the highest amount, I believe, on, on most of that. At least it is on mine. In, in LP, I mean, here in Lincoln and Lancaster County, two-thirds of Two-thirds of the property taxes we pay uh, go to the Lincoln Public Schools. So if your property tax bill is 3000 bucks, generally 2000 bucks of that's going to the school. So, um, you know, it's, it's important to show up and pay attention. And I think uh, that this discussion leads us right into our, our next topic. So we get to have another guest in with us this week. Um, we have Jim Vocal here from the Platt Institute. Uh, Jim, welcome to the show. We appreciate you joining us today. Great to be with you here, bud. Well, Jim, uh, the Platt Institute, we've worked together on a lot of different things over the years, uh, both before I came to LIBA and since. And I think one of the things when we start talking about, you know, we just talked about the LPS budget, but we talk about school funding. And that might be one of the hardest things for anyone to understand uh, in Nebraska. And so we thought it'd be good to have you on today and talk just a little bit about our funding model in the state. And I know Platt's coming coming out with some things uh, that we might be hearing about more in the legislative session. So tell us a little bit about the educational funding formula and what people should be aware of. Yeah, the TIOSA formula has been around since the, uh, I believe it was 1989, the Tax Equity and Educational Opportunities Act. And it's by design, in my opinion, Kind of clunky and kind of uh, hard to understand, but at the end of the day, uh, the state does provide some funding to schools, not every school district, and we're going to get to that in a second. Uh, But if you look at Nebraska, we actually have the third lowest amount of education funding coming from the state of Nebraska, so we're very heavily reliant on local property taxes. And some districts uh, are even more reliant on property tax uh, at the local level than, than others. And so the way the, the education formula works, depending upon how much property tax revenue that's coming in to that uh, school district or that county uh, is, is how much you get from the state. So it disproportionately uh, negatively affects uh, those districts that are more ag, that have more land, that have seen more valuation increases because they're more flush with cash coming from the local property taxes. And so if that's the case, the state is either not kicking in at all or they're kicking in a lesser amount than an urban district. Well, and that's an interesting thing. Um, I think you and well, you've attended a lot more property tax hearings than I have. But one of the interesting things we always see in the property tax hearings when there's bills in the legislature to 
change the formulas or change the way we we administer property tax in the state the 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 one thing that I always have noticed is you'll see school districts that'll come in and say, "Well, we're losing funding uh from the state. Talk about that a little bit because I think that's interesting dynamic and it's kind of hard to accept sometimes right you'll hear well we we fund uh, uh education we're the second or third lowest in the country well that's not necessarily the case that's the the amount coming from the state but if you look at all the the whole the total amount of uh revenue that funds education we're actually in the top 15 per student so it's a little bit of a, a game that's played. Uh, they're, they're speaking specifically of the amount that's coming from the state, but if you look at the total amount that's funded per student, uh, we're, we're pretty high across the country. And we do have a heavy reliance on, on, on property tax on the local level, and that TOSA formula is certainly outdated, and so there are, there are other reform options that, are, that should be on the table, and we can certainly talk about those. Well, I'd love to hear, um, this is... This is one of those discussions that we hear, I think, every legislative session, sometimes at nauseum, um, where we talk about the Teosa formula, we talk about property taxes, the the obligation of the state to fund our schools, and all of this. So talk about maybe ways that that you think or the Platt Institute is looking into of what maybe we should be doing as a state. Right. And, and to your to your point, you, you, we have several property tax discussions every legislative cycle, and you can't talk about property tax reform without having a parallel discussion on how we fund education. There's certainly things that have come across uh, legislation, whether it's truth and taxation, which we're going to talk about a little bit, or the bill that didn't uh, pass last year, which would have capped the amount of property tax collections to 2% more. Uh, over the prior year. Uh, there are other reform options that are out there, but if you're not looking at systemic ways to change the way we fund education and lower property taxes, then then we can't do anything substantial. So what we've done at the Platt Institute, we partnered with the Reason Foundation. The Reason Foundation has done an immense amount of, of research with states and looking at, at education funding. I talked previously about how some districts get state aid and some don't, depending on the amount of property tax coming from their valuation increases. What, what we think needs to happen, and, and we've created a model with the Reason Foundation that lawmakers will be able to play around with. It's a dynamic model, but we the, the goal of this model is to give them reform options that look at a more per-pupil approach that will lead to property tax reductions. And then the second thing is it would create a little bit more equity between districts that are currently not getting anything and, and districts that currently are from the state. So give us an idea, and this hopefully this isn't an unfair question. Let's give our listeners an idea about, like, how many school districts are not getting anything, um, maybe as a percentage or something like that. Talk about that a little bit and some of those areas where those schools are. Right. I don't have the exact numbers, but, but I will tell you that there are a significant amount of school districts that are in rural counties that have high landmass areas uh, that have seen large valuation increases that do not get a dime from the state. Well, and that's what we've noticed in some of the, I'll say, we get into the urban-rural divide. I'm not trying to create that. We get that, you know, some of the the urban schools are are kind of getting a lot of funding at times, and some of the rural schools who probably need that adjustment uh, aren't getting it. So 
Is there is there some policy legislation here that you think that Platt might be working on for the for the session? And what does that look like? Maybe? Yeah, the, what we hope comes out of this model is that either a working group of senators or a get together uh, in the next session or two ahead of the next session or two to actually put legislation forward that would fundamentally take us away from the Teosa formula to this more per pupil centered approach to fund education that we believe and the Reason Foundation more importantly believes will lead to property tax reductions at the, the on the local level. Excellent. So I, I think that's exciting. I look forward to to seeing that. That's one of the issues that we always engage in at LIBA is uh, property tax and what that looks like and um, trying to get the, the legislature to kind of works on statutes that are going to be more beneficial to reduce our property taxes. Yet it's always kind of an interesting dynamic because the state collects zero property taxes, um, yet we're in the legislature working on those. So, But one of the things that, as, as you cover, as, as of the media covering this, is you've got the state talking about property tax relief all the time, but they're not collecting the, the you know, getting the funds. Uh, but the Teosa formula and all of that... There, it, it's very, very complicated, and I would say probably very little transparency that you can see through the whole um, mechanism, the whole system. The, it's, it's really tough to understand. Yeah, it is tough to understand. It's very complicated, and the, and the state has always looked to as a, a, a provider of property tax relief when they don't collect it. Uh, the property tax credit program that has been popular in recent sessions really uh, nibbles around the edges and just provides a very modest credit. It doesn't do anything to control valuations or control spending on the local level and does nothing to lower the eighth highest rates that we have in the country. That's the one thing that always entertains me is that property tax credit relief fund because it's just kind of a coupon that reduces how much the taxes are That's actually going up. It. So. Yeah, it's, it's a billion dollars, though, Yeah, uh, over a billion dollars. And, it's, and uh, think it's, if everybody had to pay that. That's That's yeah. a big deal, so... Well, this is great stuff, Jim. I appreciate it. And, you know, property taxes leads us right into, uh, in our next segment, Mark, we're going to talk about those pink postcards that <laughs> hit mailboxes here in Lincoln this week and the truth in taxation issue. And so, uh, again, we're going to have Jim stay here and talk about that because Plat- the Platt Institute's been very involved in this truth in taxation legislation. And we could be getting more of those uh, postcards in the future. Correct. That's right. We'll be back with our deep dive in a moment. But in the meantime, do you need help finding reliable financing options for heavy machinery, trucks, or other equipment for your business? Currency is here to help. Currency specializes in finding the most uh, competitive financing options for construction equipment, farm machinery, trucks, trailers, and other big-ticket items. Now, whether you're replacing old machines or expanding your fleet, Currency makes it easy to get the financing. It's secure, free to use, and it gives you a single point of contact for the entire process. Visit GoCurrency.com, fill out the application. Currency will automatically find a lender offering the best rates and terms. Currency is equipment financing made simple. Visit GoCurrency.com and apply today. Offers may vary and arranged by Express Tech Financing, LLC, doing business as currency. Pursuant to CFL License 60-DBO-54873. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, 
ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Back on Lincoln Business Beat in our deep dive, truth and taxation. Uh, several of us, uh, well, anybody that owned property, at least in uh, the uh, education one of the education districts here in uh, the area got a pink postcard recently and that's because of the truth in taxation legislation that was passed I was uh, that Senator Wayne's bill uh, that was actually Senator Ben Hansen that's from right. up in Blair uh, but that passed this last session and so we're now seeing exactly how people are going to learn about changes in taxes property well, taxes yeah these uh, pink postcards dropped earlier this week and um, when we got the mail, some people who own lots of property got like a whole deck of cards almost. So, um, and, and I felt like in the timing was really good because we were planning on, uh, inviting Jim to come and talk about the truth in taxation legislation that, uh, Senator Hansen had passed last year because Platt Institute was very involved in that. And then, you know, like we said, timing is everything. We get the pink cards this week. So I thought I'd have Jim just kind of talk a little bit about, uh, the intention of the bill, and then we'll talk a little bit about the cards and what it means and all that. So, Jim, just kind of give us the the fifty thousand or twenty thousand foot view of what the truth in taxation intention was and and the purpose. Sure, uh, we modeled this legislation after Utah. Utah at the time was the only state that uh, had truth on taxation on their books, and and they've had it on for decades, and their property tax uh, rates and 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 levels have stayed. Uh, pretty pretty level. And so back in uh, actually the last session in 2021, LB 644, sponsored by Ben Hansen, passed Truth and Taxation here in Nebraska. And the reason why we advocated and, and championed this piece of legislation is because what has happened over the last decade is we've seen immense valuation increases across the state of Nebraska. But what has happened is the, the elected officials in the different political subdivisions that make up your property tax bill they're not lowering the rate to offset the amount of property tax collections that they have received over the, the previous year. And they play a game, and I was an elected official for eight years, so I know what the game is. They'll, they'll come out and they'll say, well, we didn't raise your rate. But you collected, as an example, $16 million more of property tax revenues because valuations went up. Well, that's a property tax increase. And so what the, the design behind truth and taxation is, is to bridge that honesty gap between elected officials, and, and the public. Before Truth and Taxation, they would just have their own budget meeting in the middle of the day, pass their levy, and uh, generally not many people would attend those hearings. I know LIBA does a great job of, of attending hearings. But now what the, what the law will require is that if you are a school district, a community college, a county, or a city, those four political subdivisions, and you are going to collect more than 2% more than you did in property tax revenue and do not plan on lowering the rate to offset it, 
it will trigger pink postcard. So theoretically, uh, you could have four sets of elected officials at these hearings that will be held at the county level. And it's an opportunity, number one, to be more transparent about what has happened with this game that's played with valuations increasing and rates not going down. But it gives the opportunity for the public now to get involved, tell their story why property taxes shouldn't go up, look their elected officials in the eye and have them explain it to them why they plan to spend this windfall. You know, I'm glad you used the word windfall because that's one of my favorite words in this deal because, you know, a couple years ago we saw on the average in Lancaster County, I think it was like 13% increase in property valuations. And and every one of the political subdivisions maintained their levy. In fact, one of them raised it at the same time. And, you know, if if you're getting that much more in revenue – you know, it's it's frustrating as a taxpayer because we really don't have that opportunity. So, um, yeah, we've got the hearing in Lancaster County for Southeast Community College is going to be on November or November. Oh, geez. September 22nd at 630 p.m. And, you know, you talked about something there, Jim, that, you know, it's sometimes these budget hearings and all of this, this the county. Lancaster County budget hearing was at 830 in the morning on a, I don't know, Tuesday, Wednesday morning, whatever the heck it was. It was a Tuesday morning, Um, 830 in the morning, Tuesday morning. The county board usually meets generally during the day. Uh, I think maybe once a month or once every other month, something they meet in the evening. But it's really hard for the citizens to get there. And so um, the fact that they have to do this, I think, is important. Yeah. And two requirements come out of this legislation. Number one, the hearings are in September of every year, and this is the first round this year in 2022. And the second thing is that the hearing has to take place after 6 p.m. to give the best opportunity for people to come. And, and, and the goal here is for people, number one, to be informed before the actual rate property taxes go up. And then secondly, to stand with people in your community and let elected officials know that, you know, we're, we're tired of this and that there needs to be some offset to these uh, windfalls instead of spending them. And uh, we're tired of the eighth highest property taxes in the, in the country. Well, I think the, the interesting part during this process for me has been, so we sit down with all of our political subdivisions. We look at their budget. We talk about their budget. We have a group of members who invest a lot of time looking at the budget and raising questions and trying to figure it out. I will tell you that the pink postcard is not very popular with with some of those folks. In fact, we got we had one of them get pretty wired up about it. And, you know, and well, you serve the taxpayers, you know, and it's one of those things where, you know, the the elected officials and the political subdivisions actually work for the taxpayer. The taxpayer doesn't work for them. And I think that kind of mentality will be interesting to follow. So the one that we got in Lancaster County, I showed you mine. I brought mine along. I'm holding up my visual aid that none of you can see on the <laughs> podcast. But So the one for Lancaster County is just Southeast Community College. And that, uh, that hearing is on the 22nd next week. At 6.30 p.m. at the City County Building on South 10th Street, right there where the, the council and the, the, the county board meet. And so it's Southeast Community College. But I'm looking at my statement, and it says 
my my 2021 assessed value and what my taxes were and then my 2022 assessed value and what my taxes are and says the estimated change was zero so talk a little bit about how maybe that works and what that means and right I, all i know in this particular example is the southeast community college plans to take in four percent more than they did the previous year and that's what the trigger is i don't know the other components or details of why yours specifically is showing that there's not going to be an increase in ta in taxes. But the idea behind truth in taxation, if they're planning on taking in 2% more, they've got to hold a hearing so that the public can express, first off, the elected officials have to explain what they're going to do and what their plans are going to do, how they're going to spend it, if they're not going to lower the rate or not. And then obviously uh, the, the public gets to engage and, and look them in the eye and Hopefully the the political subdivisions uh, hold the line on taxes rather than take it the other direction. Kansas is the third state that has truth in taxation now, and they have just adopted over the last 18 months, and they've already seen results in that political subdivisions and elected officials uh, that haven't historically uh, held the line on property taxes are doing so because now people are paying attention. Good. Well, I again, I... I've advocated on this show. I advocate publicly. We got to engage with our elected officials. So, um, I'm guessing that Platt's going to kind of track what this does and all of that. It'll be fascinating to see in the next two, three, four, five years. What does that mean for our local property tax rates, and what is what are the subdivisions doing to manage that? Exactly. Uh, we're going to have to take a deep dive in the data over the the long term and the in the short term and see if this. Does, does does have an impact, but it, you know, some folks are going to say, well, this isn't going to do anything. Well, it's a tool in the toolbox. There's other legislative policy solutions that are out there, but we've seen it work in Utah and the elected officials in Lincoln um, two years ago, two sessions ago, uh, want to give it a shot. So we're looking forward to seeing the, the impact of this. We just held a, a training session with some interested taxpayers up in Norfolk for Madison County we had quite a great turnout, and the, and the plat held this event so that people understood what is going to happen, and we can give them some training and resources uh, to prepare for those hearings. And, and your listeners certainly can also visit our website at platinstituteorg slash truth, and we have a wide variety of education, information, and tools to help people here in Lancaster County and in Lincoln uh, prepare for these hearings. Just to clarify now and go into this, it, this is any time their revenue is going to be up 2% or more that this is this is required? Is that correct? If, if they are planning, if their budget is going to take in more than 2% more in property tax revenue plus an allowable growth rate, and we won't bore the listeners with what that is, then yes, that will trigger this pink postcard. We've already seen political subdivisions like York County, as an example, dip into their inheritance uh, tax slush fund uh, to lower the rate so they can avoid these hearings. And so you're already seeing the impact of of this because they don't want to go to these hearings. And that's the 2% the threshold. That's total revenue, regardless of source, correct? Not just property tax. Uh, that I'm not clear on. I thought it was just property tax. I think tax. it's just property, it's property yeah, tax. Yeah, okay. I think it's just property tax. And that's where, like, Places like the city of Lincoln game it a little bit with uh, they get the uh, sales tax revenue right. and wheel tax and every other tax that we have to pay here in Lincoln and Lancaster County. Not that I'm bitter or anything. 
<laughs> Write the check, Big Daddy. <laughs> um, well, Jim, this is great. I, I'm excited to see over time what this does. And I think, um, like these stories about you told about York County, it'll be fun to see more and more of those come out and elected officials actually looking at those types of things and going, okay, do we need to pump the brakes? Do we cash reserve? Do we really need this? Do we really need to do that? So um, appreciate all the leadership that Platt has, has put into this. And um, I'm going to ask you one last question just to, for clarifying. So Southeast Community College serves, I think, about 22 or 23 counties in southeast Nebraska. So this is a 2% thing. So are they going to have to do this in all the counties or just just Lancaster. Yeah, they just have to do it in the one in one county where the the headquarters or the the main campus is. Oh, okay, very good. I just wanted to clarify That's that. A great so, question. Um, maybe maybe we need to find a way in the future to reach out to those other twenty two counties and encourage them to come too. It'd be interesting, absolutely, to see people show up. So, you know, one of the things we talk about in this show is decisions are made by those who show up, and it's important to engage with our elected officials. So I appreciate you coming on. We've got to give you your time to, to promote your organization here as, as we get toward the end of our show today. Why don't you tell us just a little briefly about Platt Institute and make sure you give us that website again so people can check it out. Yeah, PlattInstitute.org. We've got a wide variety of resources on there, information, the, the research and publications that we've put out. Uh, and you can also Sign up for my weekly email that comes out every Wednesday, and certainly uh, there's a donate button while you're on there as, as well. So the Platt Institute, uh, we are a, a free market policy think tank, and our mission is to eliminate the barriers to growth and opportunity and leverage the resources, or the research and the best practices that we know uh, will work from a, an economic standpoint, worked in other states, and then we leverage the, re, uh, the relationships that we have in Lincoln with the senators, the governor, and their staffs uh, and, and try to get legislation over the, uh, over the finish line that's going to, to grow the state. Uh, I've lived here all my life. I've raised two kids here. I'm not planning on going anywhere, but I want to leave the state certainly in a better place for my kids and grandkids. And we make it pretty hard for taxpayers in Nebraska. We have cumulatively some of the highest taxes from North Dakota to Texas. Uh, we are woefully uncompetitive with the states around us. So we spend a lot of ta time on taxation. We also look at uh, other barriers that affect uh, Nebraskans and, and their challenges, whether it's regulations for small businesses, job licensing for those that are trying to get a job here in Nebraska or want to come into the state and, and start working right away. We look at just overall government transparency and government spending. And we've also now taken on issues from Blueprint Nebraska, like affordable housing and the broadband issue that affects so many communities across the state. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us uh, today, Jim. Uh, just one last question here. So moving into the session, uh, legislative session will be here before we know it. There's an election, then I'll be back in Lincoln. Uh, we talked about the Teosa formula earlier in the show. Any other, I mean, obviously taxes and some of those issues. Are there any other things kind of on the docket that we should be watching for moving into the session from a plot perspective? Yeah, we talk so much about workforce in Nebraska. And as I travel the state and listen to business leaders, other than taxes, workforce challenges is the number one issue. That's ironic, Mark. We haven't heard much of, oh, wait, yes, we have. <laughs> yeah. We've talked about workforce a lot on this show. And 
in Nebraska and any other state, there are hundreds of, of jobs that actually require you to get a license from the state. And what we don't have in Nebraska, despite the reforms that we've pushed and adopted from Platt, is if you have a license in another state, you can't come work immediately in Nebraska. You have to start over with your accreditation. And, and the concept is called universal recognition. And a lot of states uh, have, have adopted this. And so we need to get this across the finish line next session, uh, put on the welcome mat, and, and make sure that we make it as easy as possible for people to work in Nebraska. So we're working with Senator Tom Breezy on that. We're working with uh, Senator Anna Wishart uh, of the Lincoln area on regulatory sandboxes to make it easier for startups to maybe get a start uh, without the, the burdensome regulation that uh, affects a lot of, of, of early uh, concepts that are out there. And then we nibbled around the edges in Texas this last session. We've still got a gazillion dollars going to property tax credits. We have a uh, an old and annotated uh, education funding formula. We have high income taxes and certainly high property taxes. So we have to do some major fundamental tax modernization in Nebraska and and, and bring those income tax rates down and, and look at sales tax exemptions and uh, create a, a fair tax uh, tax system for uh, Nebraska families and businesses. And so I think that we are going to continue to push that narrative that it's great what happened this last session, but even if it's fully implemented, it doesn't put us on the map. Well, it's kind of like a football analogy. You got a, we got a first down this last uh, session, and now we got to keep moving the ball down the field. We I do. Think is exactly because other states are getting the touchdowns. Yeah, other other states are scoring, and well, our <laughs> our offense is kind of not as good. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, again, we appreciate Jim Vocal from the Platt Institute being here today. Uh, talking about uh, education funding, truth in taxation. Uh, please be sure to keep us up to date with what you all are up to and as we move into the session. Uh, happy to be here and keep up the good work at LIBA. Thank you, you, Jim. And, Bud, you talked about uh, talking with and showing up at these hearings for elected officials, but the LIBA luncheon this month, I'd be able to uh, hear from some people that want to be elected officials. Yeah, exactly. So our LIBA luncheon's coming up uh, here this month. And we are going to actually have uh, about four or five candidates running for legislature uh, from the the districts here in Lincoln. Um, I think it's important for us to hear from our elected officials or people running for office. Uh, it gives our members an opportunity to learn more about who they are, what they're about. And then in October, we're going to continue that moving into the election uh, with some of our local candidates. So county board, county attorney, some of those types of uh, uh, offices. So we'll be giving our members a chance to engage with those who want to be our elected officials. And if you can't make lunch or if you're not a LIBA member, uh, it'll be streamed on the LIBA Facebook page. Facebook Live, we'll, we'll have it out there. So make sure you make those informed decisions and get out and get the information. This is the Lincoln Business Beat from the Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio. Reviewing and updating business owners and community members about what's happening in the business community in and around Lincoln. Along with LIBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vale. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com.